Miracy. I'm Ken Krell, and you're listening to Making It. My program is called Produce Ridiculously Irresistible Digital Events. It's called Pride. I remember my first job was cleaning offices for a sailboat company, and it came because I asked for the job. Everything I've ever wanted in my life has come because I've asked for it. And so how have I gotten on stages all over the planet? It began with me sitting in an audience in a real estate seminar. I think I was in Washington, D.C., and I saw people on the stage and I was like, I want to do this. I want to be on that stage too, delivering content. And I went to the producer of the event and I said, how can I speak? And he told me, he said, you got to create a product, of course, and then you can get on the stage and sell it. That's how we do it here. And that's how I began. And I was young. I was like 23, 24. No, I was, I guess 24, 25 years old at that point. So I created my first product, got on stage, was terrible. Got on stage again, was terrible was wearing polyester shirts, which apparently did not denote wealth and success and prosperity. But people were nice enough to say, dude, you got to clean this up. And gradually I grew. And it was a long, arduous ride, but I made it, you know, and it was really, I think the biggest thing behind all of it was simply asking for that spot. I was speaking for my client, the Charles Gibbons organization, And I was doing terrible. I mean, they spent a lot of money to put me on the road and be on television and be on interviews and so on. And I just, I wasn't making it. My numbers were terrible. And I had a feeling this was my last trip. And all I can remember is I was in this meeting room. I was delivering this content. It wasn't even a big room, but it was packed. And I just somehow opened up my heart and just let out, guys, if you don't do this, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And it was really, I guess, more of a message to myself. And the next thing I knew, they were running to the back of the room to buy. And I was like, holy shit, this works. (laughs) And that was something I'll never forget. It was magic. As I share this memory with you, I'm smiling. It was a wonderful experience to have seen my message get through and have people actually respond. I've always been this entrepreneur, but I'll tell you, I think the biggest thing people make a mistake with is looking to build an empire that doesn't serve your heart. It's one thing to be full of profit and so on, but if you're miserable and you end up getting so stressed out that you end up with a stroke or a heart attack or whatever, where's your lifestyle? 10 years or so ago, I had a heart attack and couldn't believe that in my early 50s, I would have a heart attack. Are you, that's for old people. That's for people that are sick. And I've always had good physicals in the past, always. I've always been like the picture of health. How could I possibly have a heart attack? And finally, they said to me, uh, this one well-known surgeon said, dude, it was stress. Stress nearly killed you. And what they told me when they wheeled me out of the surgery room was I had two hours to live, two hours to live. So that was a huge lesson. So what I say to entrepreneurs is, and to my clients all the time is, let's build something that is your lifestyle business. If you're not going to want to work weekends or nights, then don't. If you're not going to want to deal with certain things, then don't. And so for me, building the business of speaking and doing my events, they're done on my time and my way. I don't leave home. I don't have to travel. I love to travel, but I don't have to travel to to places I don't want to go. And I just, I do what I love to do and help people get their messages out to the world. So the biggest lesson I could tell any entrepreneur is lead with your heart and get clear on what your non-negotiables are. What are you not willing to do? Period. And that's so important. That's one of the first things I do in my three-day pride event is to determine what you really would love to do 
who you really want to work with and who you don't want to work with. The last thing you ought to do is sell a program, for example, to someone who will make you miserable for the six months or a year or whatever that they're in your program. I mean, I will not ever let anybody come into my programs that I don't, A, feel I can help and B, enjoy working with. I mean, why would we want to have people that make us crazy? Forget that. And that's a huge thing. So it's look at the quality of your life that you want to live and build your business and design it around that. And then everyone's happy. We see things from a different place. The Australians do things differently than the Americans. They're, I think they're more fun-loving. I think they're more accepting as people. The Thai people, they're happy. I mean, I was in Bali for a while and the gentleman that was taking me around as my tour guide, he makes like $10 a day. I mean, a day. And happy. I mean, not taking drugs. What makes him happy is his temple and his family. And that's what he lives for. And how cool is that to not let yourself be a money slave, but just freaking love your life and be happy where you are. That's really neat. So being able to see that, and as I was being driven through the ancient temples of Angkor Wat in Cambodia, the kids that would wave at me as I was just driving by in the tuk-tuk, I wish I had a cameraman with me because all I want to do is just take a video of kids waving, these adorable children who are the future of the planet. And the smiles that they have is just, oh my gosh, you, you don't see that in the United States ever. It's just so cool to see people that theoretically don't have the same benefits that we Westerners have. We have first world problems. You know, gee whiz, the Chipotle store is closed now. Damn it, my life is over. As opposed to, I give anything for just a piece of old chicken, for God's sakes. So we really do take things so much for granted. And I think the travel piece opens up our minds and lets us really recognize how blessed we are, how lucky we are to have what we have. For me, making it means having the confidence to know that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. No matter what happens, whether someone turns off the financial spigot today, I can recover tomorrow. I may need a day or two of, oh my God, what happened? But I have enough inside of me, enough strength, enough wisdom, enough intellectual capital, if you will, to survive and ultimately thrive again. There's always going to be hiccups and speed bumps. I've been bankrupt, not once, but twice because I'm a high achiever. So to know that you can survive anything, I think is the ultimate feeling of having made it, is to really know that you're safe. I'm Ken Krell, and you've been listening to Making It. You can find me at joinpride.com forward slash making it. I got a special gift for you. So go there now, joinpride.com forward slash making it. Making it is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Just Between Coaches. This episode of Making It was produced by Danny Bermant and Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb is a supervising producer. Danny Innie is our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. So you catch the great episodes that are coming up on Making It, go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.